Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Master's Little Angel, written by R. Greco. In the final book of the six-part series, John relocates from the East Coast to live with Kay in California so they can give their budding romance an opportunity to flourish. Their desire to completely explore their mutual kinkiness inspires them to seek out some naughty playmates. Dutifully, Kay recruits a couple of her adventurous friends to join their stable, even as she worries that doing so might negatively impact their relationship. Will it bind them together, or will it pull them apart? Find out in the triumphant conclusion of R. Greco's exciting Age Play series. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from The Master's Little Angel. Chapter 1 so far, so good? asked Lisa as we sat managing a good drink munch with a plate of mother's full nasty nachos and a sweaty cold pitcher. The best spot in town for fast, cheap drinks, this tavern was also the place my buddy Jack and I went to for filling non-nutritious eats, and the one place I knew I could call the girls together for a quickie. I guess I could have been blamed for not getting out sans John all that much in his first two weeks here. But, truth be told, my man and I had been as much enjoying one another's company as we were working through some heavy shit. John had managed out here, quite quickly both of us had thought, but were still as thrilled by lighting out the 3,000 miles to my coast for what he reasoned would be an initial two months sabbatical, pre-setting-up-a-life-here look-see, and he and I had been managing not only some fantastic sex, but quite a few heart-to-hearts that we could hash out our hopes, dreams, and ideas verbally, as much as take leave of our senses in the kinks we were still managing, made me truly love the guy. But him being here now beyond a week was a whirlwind to get used to. In setting up a place for his office in my home office, in maneuvering round one another for a temporary space for his clothes, at least the ones he had brought with him so far, in just trying to find a comfortable schedule between us, it felt we were either at the beginning of something or pushing the limit on what we both thought we wanted, or maybe just a little of both. John had as much bade me go out with my girlfriends for this Monday drink and gab fest as I had been considering it. This was what we both so needed after our good-natured, oftentimes arousing, as much frustrating, tug-of-war of the past fourteen days. Yes, and we're doing fine. So is it just another visit, or something really starting here? Terry asked, pretty much getting the gist of it. In the middle of the two, I think, I replied, shucking another filled nacho into my maw. Burgum's on room on room. Well, that's good, Marcy said. We munched and sipped, and I tried to avoid Lisa's eye. She was split down the middle about John possibly moving in for good, as happy as she was for me, and what she had known was a true, budding love affair I could now enjoy fully, as she was sad she had finally lost me. It wasn't so much that John was a competition, but now Lisa couldn't have me completely for her own, exactly when she wanted me, and this was the way our friendship had flourished ever since my divorce, and really the only way Lisa wanted it. She hadn't even noticed lately we hadn't been as close, or that I was taking my emotional leave of her, or maybe she did and blamed it all on John, 
and as long as he was here, would continue to. I had no idea. My ex-best friend was smiling, but I knew with no fear of sounding egotistical in my ruminations that she wasn't enjoying herself as much as her big toothy grin and bouncy boobies made it seem. Along with Lisa and Terry, she had always existed on the periphery of the group. There was the ever-smiling, perfect chocolate beauty of Marcy facing me. Eyes wide to even the most off-handed quips I offered, and Angie hanging on Lisa's every word. Somehow we had managed to all get out on such short notice for a school night, and I was damn happy for it. Whatever happens, I really do wish you two the best, Terry said, and prompted us all to lift our mugs. Despite what she and I had been through, might actually still be going through, I knew her wish was genuine. Terry was a good egg. She really was. It might have been the beer talking, just being out like this, or me being still tingling from the hard rogering John had managed to send you out with the girls tonight. But when I happened to look suddenly across the lip of my sweating mug, I once again saw Marcy smiling my way. I always sensed that this lady was the only one among this group who had sussed out Terry and my trysting, and though I really wasn't sure where I came down on my belief in Gaydar, and in this case technically it would have been Bidar, I did sense that in some ways Marcy knew more than Lisa and Angie, which was nothing at all I knew, about how deep, in many senses of that word, Terry and I had taken our friendship. This made me feel warm and self-conscious at the same time. At least you're getting laid now on a regular basis, Lisa said, and as had been the case with her lately, what sounded like a compliment just as easily sounded like a dig. Lisa! Angie scolded, but we were already lifting our mugs again. If they only knew, even Terry didn't really suspect, that while yes, John and I were of course fucking in the literal sense of the term, and certainly with him here now more than ever before, a good, slow, deep humping built less on our usual sense of desperation and that clawing ache that we wouldn't see one another for a while after it was over, and more on a budding intimacy of something that might actually be permanent. John and I fucked a lot less than we engaged in other forms of nastiness to get one another off. For both he and I, from the second we had met right up to right then, it seemed sex was less the actual insertion of cock into pussy, though to be sure that felt good, and we seemed quite compatible when we got to it, but more the full expression of our mindset. John spanking my ass until I nearly convulsed under his strong swats, or him just telling me he was going to, as I squirted so much juice across my bed, I was changing sheets daily. Me sucking his cock, and either inserting a couple fingers up his ass, or massaging his balls, or both, when doing so. Me dressing in old-fashioned girdles and bullet bras, while John jerked off onto my various variety of super girly girl shoes, just prior to him getting up under the girdle with that fantastic mouth of his, and eating my pussy until my clip burned. Me on all fours having to follow him around the hard wooden floors of my house, as he made me moan and bark while I kissed his feet and felt my orgasms literally piss out of me as I crawled. John calling me Mommy as I lie next to him and jerked him nearly to orgasm, then stopped, shifted to get up, 
turn and squat my ass in his face, came on his chest, then went back to edging him some more. Well, you get the picture. A vanilla sex couple we were not. Damned if Marcy wasn't staring and smiling at me still, or again. We have all had those moments that I know we dare not ever admit when we swallow a passing flutter, feel a tickling sense that someone close to us might be actually reading our minds. This was the way I was suddenly feeling under pretty Marcy's gaze right then. As I smiled back at her, and Lisa droned on about something that was specifically about her, a seed was planted in my head then, something that would gestate to monumental proportions, as much deciding John and my sexual fates as my own sense of self. I crunched another nacho and wondered suddenly that given Marcy's creamy complexion was so flawless, really, was her ass as smooth and creamy chocolate? We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Master's Little Angel. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.